What's up, everyone, and welcome to Making the Shift. We're an SLP couple from California with three boys and a passion for finding better ways to support autistic kids. I'm Chris. You might know me as Speech Dude. I'm a neurodivergent high school SLP and the creator of the dynamic assessment of social-emotional learning, and I specialize in crafting neurodiversity-affirming IEPs through my online course. And I'm Jesse, a sensory integration trained SLP, owner of a top rated clinic in Los Angeles, and the creator of the Inside Out Sensory Communication Programs for Parents and Therapists. Join us weekly to learn neurodiversity affirming ways to support social emotional development and regulation in autistic kids. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Welcome, everyone. That's my best Chris voice. Welcome to Making the Shift. That's How right. That? I make sure that I, I have it with strong affirmation. There we go. And some conviction. <laughs> and conviction and love and energy and passion. Anything else? And all of those things. We are so excited for today. I was just joking with Chris. I said, our next guest needs no introduction. You know that show? Yep. Because she doesn't. We're so excited to have none other than the Andy Putt. Andy Putt in the house. A.K.A. Speechy P. Mrs. Speechy P, yes. What percentage of people do you think know your name versus your social media name? You know, I really don't know. I feel like sometimes I'll like say, hey, I'm Andy. I have no idea if you know who I am. And then like some people are like, oh, I totally know your name. Um, but one time I did a poll, like where I was like, what's my name? And I made people <laughs> guess. <laughs> and I, I think- it. Maybe like 60% of people knew, oh knew what gosh. it was. And then other people picked yeah, random things. No one knows Chris's name. We go to like ASHA or conventions or anywhere and they're just like, speech dude. Yeah, speech dude. <laughs> Even my students I work with, and I am now known as speech dude. <laughs> but we are- People just don't so- even recognize me. Like I don't get called anything. Like <laughs> they just walk by me. <laughs> I bet they're just starstruck. Uh-huh. I- yeah. So I'm just so overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) It is like that though, for people, like when they see someone, they know they're like, I don't know. They sometimes get a little bit apprehensive on wanting to say something. Yeah, of course. I feel like people would get like that with you because everyone knows you and we should tell everyone you're an SLP, you work in the schools, but really just have had this huge influence. I hate using the word influence. I'm not using the word influencer. Impact, like and she's a visionary and had just this huge ability to like the title of this like make a shift and an impact in the world of working with um autistic students and kids yeah absolutely and i feel like everyone wants to know how did mrs P come to be like i feel like you were really trailblazing in the social media world and like how did that even happen for you you know, I um, did not plan on it being social media. And um, I just randomly had a thought in the middle of the night, which I typically forget or don't follow up on um, to start a blog is what it started as. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I actually did it like figured out computers, which is if you knew me in real life, you would laugh. Um, and then I was, um, sharing it just like on my own personal Facebook and people were like trying to friend me. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. 
And so I started Facebook and I did that for a couple of years. I didn't even, I was like, I am not doing Instagram ever. I'm not going to do that. I don't need any more social media in my life. Um, and now that's where I, I spend most of my time, honestly. Um, but yeah, there was no planning involved. Um, of course, I just kind of did it. And I, um, I don't know, I think it helps. I'm pretty good at wording things in like ways that regular people can understand um, because that's how I communicate. And I think that's helped a lot. Um, but yeah, it was so, it was such a strange, like, uh, I don't even know what to call it, like traveling experience. Uh, Cause I wasn't planning on being on social media. I wasn't planning on starting a business. Um, it just, I just wanted to help people. And then it just kind of floated along. And now I'm like, oh, wow, look at all this, this huge change. And it was, I started when my son was little. So um, a little over five years ago um, a big change over that time. How much you've been able to accomplish in that in few of years. You, yeah, absolutely. But the way you do it, like when I first discovered you several years ago, it's like taking difficult concepts, but the way that you would post about it, we're making it easy to understand. And that's why people are just like, it was captivating. It is captivating. It's like, Oh, that I understand it. I can see it this way. And I, I love how that has come to play. And also I've noticed that you've been real consistent with that too. You know, it's like those small little, uh, the small little consistencies done on, you know, regularly lead to the big progress over time. And Oh, for sure. I know. Have you ever taken a social media break for more than like a day? I feel like you've taken, (laughs) I feel like you've taken some breaks. We had, yeah, I usually take, I took a month, I took two months off in the summer to go to Newfoundland, Canada. Um, but I was still, I still kind of checked it, you know, um, but, uh, the last time we went to Arkansas, we had no internet. And so I really like, it forced me to totally take a break and it was so wonderful. <laughs> like it was, it was a great thing. I wish I had self-control to do that when I have access to internet. <laughs> oh, totally. It's yeah. I get sucked into digital distraction and it's just so hard for me to <laughs> not be on it. I know it's hard for everyone. Though. For That's everyone. why it's like the most addicting thing. So yeah, it's so regulating for me. So I like, I'm like, okay, focus, focus. Right. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So I want to know too, how you kind of like ended up niching down, you could say specifically into, I know you say autism assessment, or maybe you could like explain a little bit more about what that means too. Sure. So um, I, when I was in schools and um, just in a regular elementary school um, for several years, and then I was invited to be on my district's autism evaluation team. And um, a lot of places do them like campus-based and where I was, they just, there was just a team. So there was three speech therapists who did, who split up all the autism evaluations for the whole district. Um, And so I was able to do like 15 evaluations a week. Um, and I had the best mentors. Like I, I say I'm only good because of them, um, because they, obviously we know what the people who taught us know. Um, and I had several really good ones. Um, so I was really lucky for that. And I think that is what's helped me realize autism is way more than what I used to think it was and what most people seem to think it is. Um, and it's just kind of like this ever growing, um, area of knowledge. And then I like go down the rabbit holes and I'm like, well, what do autistic people have to say about this? And, um, kind of like trying to find a marriage of, you know, the, the medical 
I'm diagnosing you and evaluating you and what is, you know, neurodiversity affirming and what is what, what's most accurate, you know? Yeah. And you must have, it's just cool to be on that team. I'm sure. Cause you're seeing so many kids every week and so many different kinds of kids. And that's a really cool experience to. Yeah. And part of that experience too, at least on my end, but I'm sure you get this too. It's like working with families. And so you're able to learn about, you know, things beyond the walls of school, which really helped too of, you know, what are parents sharing with concerns and, and, and perspectives and, and all of that just kind of comes together um, to build, you know, solid information. I also love too that, you know, when you mentioned the mentors that you work with, and then you're taking that and then with your social media acting as a mentor to really help everybody else too, you know, so it's really kind of been this rippling effect of, of everybody. Yeah. See that? Yeah. Spread out the ripple. You can only hope. Like I need like magic to spread it a little faster for all the people who I like how often I get DMS, like this is what my child person says. And they said, no. And I'm like, I, I can tell you from that short thing that you said that that's most likely, you know, maybe not hundred percent accuracy, but most likely that is a yes. And you should get a second opinion. Um, so it's amazing how much people who are evaluators still just don't know. Um, but lot. like I said, if you don't have those mentors, you, you aren't learning that new information. And it's not like, it's hard to really present that without like showing real life examples. Um, you know, so it, it is, it's definitely hard to, to get that across, but I'm trying. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I think the challenging thing is that because of historically what people had assumed autism was, once that became fact based on assumption, they printed it. And when it became printed, it be, it became the legend, you know, it became what people came to know. So it's hard now to unlearn all that stuff because that's what's in our books. That's what's mm-hmm. in the DSM five. That's what's in everything in our college books is the medical model. So it's like, gosh, trying to make this shift is a journey. <laughs> yeah. And when did you first learn about neurodiversity affirming practices? Like, was there a moment where, like, I know for us, we had like moments where it kind of all came crashing down on us, you know? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Oh, I'm going to, I'm blanking on the lady's name, but there was a video that was on social media a while ago and it like went everywhere. And it, when I saw, I wish I could remember her name. She's famous. Um, (laughs) but she, it just clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, the words that I'm using and the things that I'm doing is not helpful. Even though I really thought, like, I felt like I was helping and I thought that what I was saying was correct and respectful. And now I'm like, oh, I really need to, you know, revisit that. And then, I mean, still, I've still learned new things um, daily uh, for how I can do better. And I think a lot of people just kind of accepting that because when you start to hear it, you're like, oh my God, I'm totally wrong. There's, I'm, there's nothing I can do. Um, but you know, when people who are like, Hey, I'm learning something new every day. And I've made plenty of everything that you've done wrong. (laughs) I've probably done worse. Like, don't worry, but we can do better. You know, I feel like you, I hear you say that a lot too. I hear you say a lot, like I'm learning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I make mistakes. That is not my goal for you to be perfect, but I do think we can all do better. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I just, there's we were just talking about, we're like, gosh, do we go back and delete our old posts of things we said that were not like in the alignment with the beliefs we have now, but I kind of like it. Cause it's like, wow, look at this transformation. What we were teaching 
years ago compared to now, it's kind of like a cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. I always think about that. Even with certain type of therapy approaches, it's like people are doing what they know best in that moment. Like nobody's out there trying to write harmful goals. No one's out there trying to create therapy plans that are going to you know, hinder progress. We just do what we know is best at the time. And so, um, yeah, I always do think about that though. I'm like, man, the way I wrote my goals in the past, I can't get down on myself because I was doing what I knew best at that time. And so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I even do that now. Like I look at a goal I wrote like three months ago and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm glad you said that. That just happened to me from a, like goals that I wrote in May and I'm looking at them now going, that was me that wrote that. Oh gosh. I, glad that nobody sees this on social right? like I'm like what, what what was going through my head you know or I'm like how was that measure how am I gonna actually do that and th- that's probably my biggest one is like I have great ideas for my goals <laughs> and then I'm like what does that even look like like if somebody else gets this kid are they gonna be like what was she smoking like I don't right. understand where this came from I feel that same way every yeah. day with every day <laughs> they're like what's you smoking <laughs> and I have some, whatever it is. Pass to the left. No. <laughs> yeah, but um, on, on that note too, it's, gosh, I was thinking with when, when having that conversation with others, I think that is the important thing is more of a, like coaching them, you know, on this is why this could potentially not have an effective outcome. And here's the alternative of, what we could do, you know, as I was thinking about if I were to coach myself from now versus last year, rather than saying, Hey man, those goals are harmful. Why'd you write that? It's more of a, what would I tell myself? What would I tell my, what would I tell my, uh, Baby 2015, no, my 2015 speech dude self, like what, how would I coach myself? So that way I can change. Cause people don't like to be told they're wrong. People would rather be coached into what they can do. Yeah. Reflecting, reflecting. Yeah. But I would have a lot to say to speech dude, 2015. I bet I'll you, be like, you have a lot to say to speech dude yesterday. Speech dude, uh, September, 2020, <laughs> 2022. That guy's trouble. <laughs> so anyway, we could just go on. We really wanted to talk today about how to talk to kids about autism. And we know you just came out with this awesome product, which we'll definitely be talking about too. But this is something we talk about all the time. And, um, you know, it's this idea of how do we talk to kids about autism in a way that's neurodiversity affirming and just a new way for kids to, you know, accept others and and themselves. Right. Right. I agree. I think that, yeah. So this handbook that you've created talking to students about autism, historically, at least from my understanding too, from what my end of things are, we've never really actually talked about autism to kids. We've just, you know, because it was on the medical model. So yeah. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that on how this all came to fruition? Talk the importance of talking to kids about autism, that, that kind of stuff. Sure. So, um, I think this is kind of two different conversations. So like, how do we talk to, 
um, typical kids about autism for how they can be accepted, uh, how they can accept others and respect others' differences. And then also how do we talk to autistic kids about autism um, to understand themselves, right? Um, and also, I think a lot of times when people hear like the neurodiversity affirming, they think that, um, you know, we're just saying, okay, well, that's how you communicate and leaving it at that. But really teaching autistic kids like some differences in conversation styles across the board, I think can, I mean, like even the playing field is what I always say is like, give you, I'm giving you this knowledge and you can choose to do it. You know, I think a lot of people don't really think that that's what it is. I think it's just, well, they're autistic. So we're just going to let them be like, we're not going to support them because <laughs> we're accepting wow. them as they are. And there's a big difference between like not supporting you and supporting you in a way that validates how you feel and how you communicate um, and, and how you are as a okay, not broken, you are a whole and complete person. Um, and so that is what the handbook for kids is about. It's like, I want you to learn, this is what autism is. Um, I say it there, my communication style is very blunt um, as an adhd -er, And as I interact more with autistic kids, I've actually found that I have gotten blunter um, because it's so much easier. Like it really is like there is no miscommunications when we just say things um, and kids, autistic kids respond really well to that because that's how they communicate. Um, and so that was really my goal in writing that was like a lot of people don't, they're not sure what to say, or they are worried they're going to say the wrong things. And so they just don't say anything. Um, but then that teaches kids that it's bad and we don't talk about it, you know, so open, honest, factual, like this is what's different and, but it, nobody's wrong, right? Like neurotypical communication styles, that's not wrong. Um, and autistic communication styles, that's not wrong. Um, which I do have that conversation both with typical kids and autistic kids. Um, but yeah, I really like to give them that information and I started using the handbook for kids in my autism self-advocacy group that I, that I run for my fourth and fifth graders. And they just watching, they're like, how, like, what did I say? I was like, oh, and maybe you might uh, prefer things to be the same so that you can predict what's going to happen and changes might be upsetting. How did you know that was like me? You know, and I was like, it's autism, you know, like I bet most everybody <laughs> in the group feels like that, you know? And so it was really cool um talking about it and then hearing what they all had to say and then being so amazed when other kids in the group have the same experiences um and so it's it's really been a blessing for me to have just privately um but yeah so I think I, don't, I forgot the, I don't even know what your first question was but um yeah, <laughs> yep I already forgot about my first question this is how this is how yeah I just keep talking and then I'm like what was I talking about I don't know no, Jason that's so, so helpful though. And we've had similar experiences, you know, and I was just sitting here as you were talking, thinking about a little boy who's nine and his parents wanted to tell him he was autistic. And I, I didn't even know that they hadn't even had that conversation, but I was kind of coaching them and guiding them how they could do that. Because for me, I've had such a perspective shift because I used to be the one going in and being terrified to tell parents like, oh, I'm seeing autistic characteristics. And I was scared because I didn't know how they were going to react. And I posted a video about that. And I had such great parent feedback saying like, well, if you're scared, 
the parent's going to be really scared, right? Like it's your mindset going into that conversation is going to change the way the parent is able to take in all that information. And I like did this 180 where I started thinking, this is great news. We know that this kid is likely autistic. When I get to tell parents this, all of a sudden, everything is going to make sense to them. They're going to be like, well, this is why this is happening. And this is why he's communicating in this way. And it's like, wow, now look at all the ways we can support this child. So I think for me, just having that switch was so helpful because now it's not like I'm scared to tell you because autism is a deficit and that whole medical model down that road. It's now like, let's talk about neurodiversity and how valuable it is to have people with all different kinds of brains on the earth and celebrate our kids for who they are. Have you noticed, I'm wondering on your end working with elementary, because I've noticed this for me every once in a while, a parent will mention like, I don't want to talk, have my child know. Yeah. We don't want to to keep it quiet, but have you noticed that in talking to students about neurodiversity and the differences, the characteristics that's kind of helped give you the language to guide parents that, Hey, you know, um, we're not looking at this as a deficit. Here's some of the, the differences. Yeah, I think, um, you know, some parents, they just, they're not, they're not ready. So they, no matter, it doesn't matter what you say. Um, But I do think that having the conversations kind of early on can help with that. And certainly having kids, the, you know, for my autism self-advocacy group, it is, I I do have the parents tell them that they're autistic before they come. Uh, There's a few who were very surprised still the first day when I told them, Um, but I was like, I was clear and your parents said, okay. Um, But, you know, when you present it in that way, they're like, the kids are like, okay. Like, (laughs) right. I know you have the same thing where you talk to them and they're just like, oh, like, it's not like mind blowing information sometimes. It's it's so overwhelming for parents. They're like, how am I going to have that conversation? And when you have it with the kids, they're like, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. It actually seems like a relief at times for these kids because they're like, oh, that's why that one time was a little bit different or challenging for me. But when you give them context, it kind of relieves that weight on the shoulders. For sure. And I've had some kids that were like, my mom told me I was autistic and that you tested me last year. And so you knew and you didn't tell me. And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't tell people, I just do the testing, you know, and but right. there's several actually girls that's that's been the go-to girl response for like three or four girls the last couple of years. Like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, about, uh, honesty for you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that too. There was a part in the handbook that um, it was just about, you know, the, the option, like you don't have, you, it's okay for you to, to know you're autistic. You don't, you can decide on who you want to talk to about it and who you don't want to. It's that whole self-advocacy piece too, which I love because it's doing it in a way that supports them and gives them autonomy to make that choice on, on discussing that. Yeah. I really wanted to reflect like everybody. So even like on the identity page, I did say, you know, some people prefer to say autistic and some people do prefer a person with autism um, because you do see a lot of kids prefer person with autism, most likely because that's what their parents have used, you know? And so I think like, if that's what you want, then that is totally valid, you know, like that's, so I, that's 
I really wanted to validate like everybody's individual experiences um, and to know it's okay. Like it is okay if you are different from the the majority of people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love that too, because the more we talk and teach kids about autism, the more we can learn in that process. It's like a handbook for students, but at the same, or for children, but at the same time for everybody, because then yeah. we're learning and then we can talk about it to the parents and to staff. And then, um, yeah, circling back, it's like, we can also talk to the non-autistic peers and the allistic staff. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And we just, your handbook is so insanely great. I just can't believe like how much time must've went into there. And you had like a bunch of really cool contributors. We have a mutual friend who's contributed to our project. So Jamie Boyle. Oh, she's the best, isn't she? Yeah, helped you with your project. I know we've worked on stuff with her. She's been on our show. She's the best ever. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just, there's nothing better than getting that autistic input into, you know, all the work we do. Yeah, you had several contributors there like Neurodivergent Lou and several others that I was like, oh yeah, these are these are prominent uh, key people that- um, yeah. The message to my younger self, God, it was like, it was so heartbreaking to read. And, you know, and I was like, but this is why I want this. I want to change the narrative. I don't want this, these kids to write their younger selves, this information, because I want them to have it now, you know, um, just because it was just, oh, it was like their experiences of not feeling welcomed and accepted uh, was, it was pretty prevalent, like in everybody's, like of, of being called weird um, across the board. So that was one of my favorite parts of it, actually. That's amazing for the, for the listeners out there, just to give you a little more insight towards the end of the handbook. She has um, a reflection from autistic people writing about uh, letters from their younger self if they knew then. And it's just literally, that was life-changing for me. I read some of those. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, uh, yeah, it's just like so, so good. That was just amazing how you, the concept even coming up with that to just share others. That's, that's, that's how we make change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to ask a question. It's hard, but you can answer too. Okay. <laughs> Which, I'm not it. Wait, what is like, it? Not it. <laughs> if you I'll go had, last. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to give like if a parent wants to have that conversation with their child or a therapist wants to have the conversation with their client, like what is, do you think after doing all that research, what is like the number one thing that they should keep in mind when they're having that conversation? Who wants to go first? Wait, so when we draw straws? Yeah, let me, uh, so when, like if, like you're, if parent, you're gonna have a parent talk to their kid about autism or a therapist is going to have that same conversation. Like what's the one thing that they need that they should be thinking about? What's the most important tip? I can go first. I'll do parents. You do therapists. How about that? Okay. Um, that sounds good. <laughs> Cause I'm actually working on a product for this. So I've already got it kind of laid out. Of my oh, head. look at this. Um, <laughs> but um, I think the biggest tip for parents is just to address your own feelings and emotions before you have that conversation. So get comfortable in how you feel. Um, you know, maybe some people might need to sit with it for a while or learn some more, um, but really be comfortable in, in how you feel about autism before you have that conversation. Because a lot of times, especially initially, parents do have negative feelings um, and do think of it as bad. And it is a process to kind of come around to relearn what you what you think you know about autism to what you really probably should know about autism. 
Um, and so that would be my biggest, my biggest advice is just kind of sit with that, sit with your feelings. Your feelings are valid, but I always tell parents, I can, I would say 99.9% of the time, your feelings right now are going to change over time as your child ages. And as you learn more about neurodiversity and autism and what you feel today is probably not going to be how you feel next month or next year or in 10 years, um, because so much is going to change, even though it feels like so big right now, um, you know, kids, a lot of people think autism means your, your kids aren't going to change and grow and learn. And that's totally not what it means, you know, and, but once they see that, then they're like, Oh, okay. You know, um, so that would be my advice. That's so good. Cause I don't think a lot of people think about that and that's really powerful. And it's like what we always talk about, like you can't regulate a kid if you're not regulated, you know, mm-hmm. you can't go into that conversation, um, like ready to have it. If you haven't already faced your own emotions and kind of like gotten to a place where you're ready to have that. Yeah, no, I love that. It's, I was thinking about the the drive for self-advocacy too on these approaches. And sometimes I get myself into a situation where I'm not self-advocating. I'm like, I don't really want to, you know, tell this waiter that my, my food came out wrong. I don't want to, I get nervous on things. I'm like, wow, this is crazy that I'm teaching my kids to self-advocate and here. I am having a hard time in the community. Yeah. That but. is true. <laughs> That's the people pleasing part of you. <laughs> yeah. It's Jesse knows this too, because I talk about this in, in the, you know, outside when I'm doing it, like, well, there was a time where I was waiting for someone to maybe see if she was going to pull her car out back out mm-hmm. as a busy parking lot. And she's standing out there and I'm like, I don't know if I should roll down my window and ask her if she's just getting here or leaving or what's going on, but I don't want to do and it. I was like, what are we just going to sit here all day? She's like, all, Chris, advocate for yourself. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so nervous right now. And then he's like, Hey, do you think that, are you leaving right now? And I don't remember if she was, she or wasn't, said, but no kind, sir. I'm going to be here for another 25 minutes. I'm like, well, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no speech, dude. I'm going to be here for 45 more hours. Yeah, exactly. No, but yeah. <laughs> um, that, that is a good point because I think sometimes we just think self-advocating is so easy. Like, Hey, you can do this, or this is what you should do in certain situations. And, um, you know, it, it definitely, there's experiences in my life where I'm like, oh, I really should have, like should have for my safety done something different um, than what I did. And, you know, some of the reasons why was because I was told I have to do what adults say, and I'm scared to not follow adults directions. And so I think, you know, understanding that and explaining to kids, I understand. Um, And then giving really explicit uh, examples too, I think is really helpful in practicing what that looks like. Uh, is super helpful for self-advocacy, but also just kind of knowing your brain and knowing why you're different has huge impacts on that as well. And yeah, I love that. And also like along with what you're teaching through the book and when we can understand how our brains work and we can understand our differences and we can understand our characteristics, that in turn builds self-esteem and confidence because we go, hey, you know what? I'm not broken. I, I'm just, I got different ways of going about it. And when we can approach it with that type of approach, we can inadvertently help build self-esteem and confidence, which plays a huge part into that self-advocacy piece as well. Yeah. You know? and, that- and understanding your strengths and weaknesses is huge too. Right. Oh, yeah. Sure. I'm working on that myself. I'm trying to, I know all my weaknesses. Uh, yeah. Your weaknesses. <sighs> you don't like the bachelor. That's a <laughs> major that's, weakness. 
That's a major weakness. Or is that a strength? <laughs> it's just a, a couple week hours so. a week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you think of one? Or are you trying to skirt around it? For the therapist? Yeah. Think of the, to answer that question? Yeah. Maya was going to say the same thing that Annie did. <laughs> <laughs> if I were going to give a therapist advice, gosh, um, I don't know. Cause my brain honestly has so many different thoughts. So my immediate thought would be um, to continue to, I guess it goes back to what I said earlier. It's like to let them know, Hey, we all work at a conscious level of what we know is best in the moment, continue to be open to knowing change and continue to be willing to make adjustments and know that, Hey, at any given point, things can change and go with the flow, go with the change rather than resist it. I say that because I can't tell you how many people, well, I should be specific. Therapists come to me by saying, Hey, this neurodiversity affirming stuff's all fine and dandy, but it's not going to work for these kids. They need yeah. to get out, initiate, yeah. and reciprocate, engage in back and forth conversation. I'm like, okay, you t- you missed the boat on that one. That's okay. <laughs> like if you fell out of a boat, you wouldn't even hit water. But <laughs> let me help you out here. And then it's kind of guiding them. Like, yeah, I know your belief is with this model pre neurodiversity affirming approaches, weakness deficits based approach. And the key to change into helping individuals build autonomous communication, build a meaningful life with purpose is by being willing to make our own changes, kind of live along what you're saying yeah. and, and modify and edit and always know that from now and until the rest of our lives, um, it's okay that change happens, right? I said this first episode or second episode, but um, in order for a revolution to happen, evolution must take place first and right now with the neurodiversity affirming movement we've got a long way to go so right now we're in the evolutionary phase where there's still tons of people going neuro what still dinosaurs walking all over oh my gosh yes there's a pterodactyl sitting next to me (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know what i mean it's it's we've got we've got a lot a lot a lot to go Um, And it goes back to what you said, Andy, which is like, this is two conversations. And I think that's kind of like the disconnect that people feel is they feel like I want to do this, but I'll never get the support that I need to do it successfully. And that's why like doing what we're doing here today and doing what you do every single day on social media, nonstop all the time is educating others, right? Because how else can we um, make that change other than like, it's such a two-way street. It's not just like help this kid. It's help the kid, help the world to understand the kid. Right. Help the neurotypical peers, help the non-autistic staff. You know what I mean? And and all of that syncs up together. Yeah. Like sure. What syncs up together, like Mac and cheese. I don't know. I couldn't think of something that was good. That goes well together. (laughs) Peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah um that would do you have any other thing to so tell um, everyone where they can find the yes. handbook so it is on my website which is misscgp.com um i say miss but it's mrs mrs um, I, I caught that when you just said it i was like wait am i saying it wrong 
No, I say it's so much easier just to say miss. Like I never say misses, but I had just gotten married when I did that. And, you know, it's a big deal then. So now I'm like, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got MRS. Wait, did the P come from your last name? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then, and then it's miss, misses speech IEP. That's what he thought it was. So I many people think that. Oh, this is speech EP. Uh, yeah. That that was on purpose, but it was not. I think it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like it was a, like a happy accident. Double entendre there serves two And purposes. on your website. And that's awesome. We'll definitely have to tell everyone about it because it's just insane. I think people underestimate the amount of work that goes into releasing stuff like that. And we could tell you because we've seen it. It's just like so unbelievable. And it's so awesome that you're able to help so many more people in a super affordable way and accessible way. What about yeah. social media? Where can others find you? Yeah. Cause no one knows where to find you on social media. You never know. Instagram and Facebook is the only social media for me. I need to not add anything else. <laughs> I love it. So in, well, in the show notes for you listeners out there, we're going to put that in the show notes of links. You've got to check out the handbook. It's amazing. Yeah. And thank you so much. We're so excited to take our friendship virtual on another <laughs> the next level. This is the best, the next level stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Making change one day at a time. That's it. Cool. Well, Andy, thank you so much for chiming on in and sharing your valuable knowledge. This is really helpful for everybody. And the journey with the handbook. Oh my gosh. This is, this is how you change the world. I love it. Yeah, this is it. You're cool. watching it. Okay. Well, hey, until next time, we will catch you on social media. (laughs) Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.